Humans have a strong tendency to build a full application platform out of literally any technology. <laughs> like if you're like, yeah. hey, the RFID tags in your sneakers, right? They'll be like, well, yeah, but you know, you can run Linux on that. And now we're off to the races. There's an app store for it eventually. Hey, Rich. Hey, Paul. Postlight's been around for a little while, wouldn't you say? I mean, in the world of technology, we are dinosaurs, almost. No, no, that's not good marketing content. Regardless, I want to do an impression of the engineering function at Postlight for the first four years. Okay, go. JavaScript, 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 JavaScript on the server, JavaScript on the client, JavaScript in mobile, JavaScript, JavaScript. I'm going to go to a JavaScript conference going to do some JavaScript stuff. So how was your weekend? JavaScript. <laughs> Let me do an impression of the Postlight engineering culture in the last two years. You ready? Okay. TypeScript. 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 How was your weekend? TypeScript. Okay. And a little bit of JavaScript. So do you know what TypeScript is? Don't pretend. I do. Yes. Okay. But I think we should go to the, like, let's give it a two minutes of 101. If only we had someone on the podcast who could help us define clearly for the masses what TypeScript even is. You know anyone, Paul? Through the miracle of technology we have here on the podcast, he is muted right now. I'm going to tell him that. Order Thoreau. Order, welcome to the Postlight Podcast. Hey, thanks, everybody. Honored to be here. Orda, you work on TypeScript. Before you tell us about your job, what is TypeScript? A lot of our audience won't know. TypeScript is a language that compiles to JavaScript. It's kind of a bit of a weird one in the, in the sphere of languages. But basically, the idea is if you had the delete button, you could go from TypeScript to JavaScript. And that is a goal of TypeScript. What does that mean if you had the delete button? Well, think about it as like JavaScript is this language that people have been using for about 25 years that started out just as trying to make websites, right? A little script, a little bit of magic. Make the monkey dance on the banner ad. Yeah, yeah. Make something follow your cursor as you drag it around the, the page, DHTML stuff. And now it's 80% of the world economy. So it's <laughs> Exactly. And that, that's the same tool that's being used for very different scale problems, right? And Microsoft looked at that problem and said, hey, we're building very big things in JavaScript nowadays. And all of our engineers... Uh, are just not that happy with the tooling. Like they love working in JavaScript, but not being able to get autocomplete or not be able to know whether the code is going to crash in your editor was just something you couldn't do. So wait, first of all, so TypeScript comes out of Microsoft. That's important for people to know, but it's all open source. Like it's not like one of those weird old school Microsoft things. It's the new Microsoft that's like, hey, everybody, it's on GitHub, which we happen to own. So there's that. What is the big difference? Why did everyone all of a sudden start saying TypeScript, TypeScript instead of JavaScript? I think it's all about the editor experience and being able to feel like you can reliably know the changes, a changes only in the things that you expect it to be. What would break before that didn't break when TypeScript showed up? So a lot of the, the simple ones are checking the function input and outputs and just making sure they're consistent throughout your entire application. Like accidentally passing a string to something that expects a number 
is, is something you can very easily do in plain JavaScript. And JavaScript allows for a lot of that flexibility because it, it wants that flexibility. But that flexibility gets very hard when you're building very complicated applications with a lot of people. I mean, the way I would put it is JavaScript doesn't care. Like, no matter what it is, JavaScript doesn't care. You could be like, JavaScript, I need you to add a string to a number. JavaScript's like, absolutely, man. It's not a problem for me. Yeah, and that flexibility is a power of JavaScript. It's just eventually you get to a point where maybe you don't want that flexibility and you want to sort of be a little bit stricter in order to then have a better sort of developer experience. Orta, is, is TypeScript, is it its own programming language? Do you just write in TypeScript instead of JavaScript? Is that how it works? So you would write TypeScript in a TypeScript file, but then you would use a separate tool to change that into a JavaScript file. That JavaScript file will then run inside a web browser or inside a, a JavaScript runtime of some sort. I see. So it's sort of making life easier for the developer. Yeah, that's one of the goals. Make life easier for the developer. In the end, it's just JavaScript. Yeah, and that's honestly one of its powers. There's many competitors to TypeScript, like languages that give you flexibility and a really tight like workflow, but they turn into JavaScript, not that it is JavaScript with a little bit more. And I think that's what accounts for its popularity. So let's say I'm in a company that's not as excited and motivated about TypeScript as Postlight. Postlight got there a couple of years ago, but it, I'm assuming a lot of the world, it takes a while for the world to catch up. Here I am, Postlight podcast listener, and my department of engineering is coming to me and saying, we need to move our code over to TypeScript. Help me understand that change. Is that expensive? Where does it start? What are they going to need to learn? They're all saying it'll take two minutes, but I don't believe them. You know, everybody gets optimistic. Help me face that. Let's say I have like 50,000 or 100,000 lines of JavaScript that make my big web app run that are critical to my business. And now everybody's excited about TypeScript. What do I do now? Honestly, it's a great question. And to some extent, it depends in the same way that you would say for any technical migration, <laughs> right? It's very comforting. But, whenever, I don't know if people know this, but whenever an engineer says it depends, I'm like, okay, we're going to be all right. Everything will be okay. Okay, so it depends. <laughs> But like TypeScript is built in a way to handle that sort of migration incrementally. So the idea here is, I, you know, I have talked to you a lot about the sort of developer and editor experience about TypeScript. And TypeScript also provides that experience for JavaScript developers too. So for a lot of people, they're already using a very flexible version of TypeScript when they're just a JavaScript developer because they're using a developer tool that, that gives them that tooling under the hood. Mm -hmm. So the way that we recommend people to migrate is actually first to sort of make your JavaScript project a little bit more explicit to the TypeScript tooling that you're probably already using. What would that tooling be, like for example? A good example would be using a very popular editor like Visual Studio Code, another Microsoft product that is built in TypeScript and sort of... There is a person on the TypeScript team that interacts very regularly with that team to make sure it's a very tight experience. Oh, interesting. So I don't think people will process that. So that's one of the really big, well-known IDEs out in the world. It's open source. I didn't know that. It is fully written in TypeScript. Yeah, it is a canonical TypeScript code base. It was like the first one. Your developers may already be using it just to get their work done in JavaScript. Yes. So start there. So let's say you're... Your developers are already using Visual Studio Code, and any JavaScript then is actually running through a version of TypeScript inside Visual Studio Code. The next step then is to sort of define a project file. It's like a little sort of JSON file that you put in your project that sort of says, hey, here are the files, here are the sort of rules, and you say, allow JavaScript, basically. And then it won't tell you your errors, but it will start giving you a lot of autocomplete 
and sort of error-ish messaging, if it can, is 100% certain that that error would happen in JavaScript regardless. And then suddenly you have migrated to TypeScript by just putting a, a single file in your project, but you still have a long road ahead, right? That, that is part of the key. It's like you first start turning on these options and then you go to the files that you think are the ones that are most risky. Every code base has files and sections that people don't want to touch, either because that somebody made it and then has left the company, or it's just really complicated stuff. Those are usually the best place to write TypeScript, in my opinion, and to sort of add additional tooling around it so that people feel comfortable making changes in these complicated areas of the code. So like the code that pulls the user profile out of the database, but the user profile is always changing. So, I mean, I think this is the point where we explain what a type is. So we've gone from JavaScript, which God knows nobody wants to know why it's called JavaScript. It was just to kind of (laughs) ride on some marketing from the Java language back in the day. But a type is a thing, and it's a contested and complicated thing in the world of computer science. What is a type in this context? In programming, we have a sort of few sets of literal things, like these constant primitive things, like a number are what we call a string, which is a collection of characters that we sort of usually just enclose in quotes. You know, that would be like the word 50 and versus the actual number 50, which would be a, a number. And the way that JavaScript sort of thinks about these primitives is that they can be sort of collected together into something called an object. So if you wanted to represent a user, you know, the user might have a, an age and a first name and a last name. And so that sort of would be a description of multiple sort of keys and values inside an object. And TypeScript gives you ways to describe, hey, this key can only accept a value of a string or a number or even another object itself. And that is what we call a type, the the way in which we define the relationship between sort of values inside a a complex system. I think what people who don't program might not realize, right, is that this sounds really simple, but this is where all the problems creep in. This is like the raw, it's like if you're, you find out that someone has replaced all your nails with screws and you're like, oh, but I have to build the house and then it's hard to nail screws into the wall. Like that's what types are to programming. JavaScript was, I think, sort of this like weekend experiment that got bolted onto Netscape and it was kind of half-assed. And It was like famously like a two-week, like, hey, we got to have something to make the monkey dance. Like literally it was, you know, we've got this thing, we've got the web page, and the web page is made up of objects itself. And how can we make the objects do things that they couldn't do with just static HTML? Right. And they thought the movie would end there. They thought that, okay, fine, you need the, the name to blink. We can give you something, right? The web was for documents, so we'll make the documents a little more lively. That's right. And JavaScript, it just kept going. It's just humans kept going, as humans will do. They will take a thing and be like, well, you know what? This could work, and I'm, I'm comfortable with it, and I feel confident in it, and here we are. I want to shift the conversation to the developers here. I guess it's a two part question. The usability and the experience for developers is a fascinating thing to me because it's one of those things that somehow translates into motivation and productivity in very intense ways. And I can't think of anywhere else where they get that feeling. It's almost, if you hear a developer talk about their environment and their IDE and whatnot, it's intense and it's passionate and it's opinionated. It leads to better out product sometimes. Sometimes people obsess over the tool. Well, okay, I'll take that part back. But talk to me about what motivated you to sort of wade into this part of the culture of develop, software development? 
because it's it's really interesting. Right. And I think talk a little bit about the work you've done over the last couple of years. It'd be great for people to hear. I find quite a lot of parallels with woodworking. When I watch woodworking videos, I see people make these really complicated jigs to eventually just do one tiny little piece of woodworking. Yeah. And I think that's quite similar to how developers treat their tools and their tooling as well. So I got started you know, making games and uh, had to build tools to help build my games. And eventually I got to a point where I enjoyed working on the tools more than working on the games, which is, it's a pretty normal experience for people that end up working in dev tools. And I spent a long time working as an iOS developer, doing open source at scale on sort of a dependency manager tool that allows, again, it's a bit like an app store for, for developers there. And eventually sort of realized that JavaScript was growing a lot in my own company that I was working at and that we needed to focus on it too, even as iOS developers. And that eventually led me down the line to sort of look at TypeScript, see its growth and actually reach out to the team and say, hey, I think that it's growing much faster than you were maybe even expecting and that maybe I could come work on your sort of community management and sort of work on redoing all of your documentation because it's kind of hard to understand if you've come from a non-compiler background. Why do you think TypeScript caught on? Because there have been many things that compile to JavaScript. There's been CoffeeScript, and really anything that is coffee-related has a pun that, <laughs> that points towards JavaScript. But lots of closure and all sorts of things. Why this one? I think TypeScript sort of caught on because it embraced what developers were already doing and then tried to give them a little bit more. So a lot of its competitors tried to outright replace JavaScript and mm -hmm. you know not take your existing knowledge of JavaScript with you, but instead TypeScript says like you already know JavaScript. We're just going to give you JavaScript with types, and that types is just a way of saying you know here's your input outputs, and you just need to learn JavaScript. And the TypeScript stuff that comes on top of that that will give you a better developer experience and make you a bit more comfortable with your changes. But at the end of the day, you're still writing JavaScript. And I think that's where its key sort of a key abstraction is that gives it the power to be as popular as it has become. Give people a sense of how popular, right? Like, we don't need an exact percentage, but like, it's more than like one out of 100 engineers is writing this. It's, it's big now, right? Yeah, it's like uh, GitHub released these sort of rankings where they say how many, how many new files are being made in a particular programming language. And TypeScript is up there in the top five, and that's of every programming language. That's a beast for people who don't know that, like out of 150, like, I mean, that is a lot of growth really, really quickly, especially on the base of JavaScript. Yeah, it's estimated that there's like 50% of all developers use JavaScript, which must mean that like a very substantial amount of that is using TypeScript. That means that the whole world is written in JavaScript, which is just terrifying when you think about it. I want to step out of the development world for a second and talk about the people who interact with developers, the rest of society. You know, I've led teams for through a lot of different projects, some larger scale, some smaller, agency, product, all sorts. And I got to be frank, when they put the case together to change programming languages or to adopt one that just came out two weeks ago, I freak out. You're actually pretty flexible, though. I mean, we've got Elixir in production, all sorts of stuff, like at yeah. Postlight. 
But I agree with you, right? Like you do over time, you go like, okay, yeah, this is the one. This will solve it because it's been yeah. 25 years. Also, I'm not CTO of, of American Express where change is going to be extremely – like there's immense resistance to change because of the cost of change, right? And the, the risks associated with it. How should that audience take in? I got to say, for me, it's been a learning experience because I want – developers to be motivated and excited because better work comes out, better output, higher velocity. They just connect. TypeScript is different though because see, something like, like Elixir is a new technology, runs on a different virtual machine than people are used to on and you got to deploy it. And TypeScript, it just sort of showed up one day because it was just JavaScript plus and it compiles to JavaScript and it was built into the text editor they were already using. True. It wasn't a full, like rip the wiring out and do something new. And even more, it came from Microsoft and it's like, it does enterprise things around types and objects that are even more rigid than JavaScript. So it's actually CTO optimized as a new technology in a way that like very, very few other technologies would ever land, right? Because right? I'm just thinking of making the case. It's like, yeah, okay, I guess so. And then, the, you know, everybody's like, more productivity and 40% of people already use it. And you're just like, uh, fine. Talk about that dynamic a little bit, or like the dialogue that often occurs. So I've always framed it as incremental revolution, right? Like you don't have mm, to throw that's out everything. The, that's your memoir. That is why There you go. Dot org is the name of the website, right? Like it's just incremental revolution. I had <laughs> such a VC book title. Oh, man, that's a <laughs> yeah. strong move. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Reason Horowitz. You've got us. <laughs> it's true, though, right? Like, you do not want to, like, throw away everything. And TypeScript's approach of, like, this really long mi possible migration is absolutely not seen in many of the programming languages at all. And I think it accounts for the large amount of its popularity and also what makes it very approachable for sort of to describe to non technical folks like the advantages of using this separate language. You want to know what makes this work? So the fantasy of engineering, like especially object-oriented development, was that you'd map out the whole world, you'd get it all structured just right, and then you'd sit down with that map and you'd be like, let's make the code. Let's let's get it all buttoned up, push to production. And of course, obviously, it's an evolving system good for us. But the reality is you end up with this, this like hairball of inherited open source code, legacy stuff, things in different languages, APIs with a lot of mismatch. And you're just kind of in the fog all the time which we, we don't like to talk about that much, but most of, most of your engineering time is kind of in the fog. I just had somebody, I was dealing with a bug on code I wrote like a year ago this morning because I'm still on the hook for certain things. And it was just like, oh yeah, I have no idea what's happening here. No clue. I don't remember it. I don't remember writing it. I don't remember this function. And then you multiply that by hundreds, thousands of functions. And so I think like that's the real world of building stuff, which again is makes for a terrible conference talk, right? Like nobody wants to go to the incremental fog disaster. <laughs> no one knows what the hell is happening talk. <laughs> but if you do something like this where it's just like, oh, we didn't really know where we were headed, but it actually turned out that like it's a lot more organized than it used to be. If you make it easier to organize things, boy, does that make people happier. It's like putting labels next to, you know, wires and things like that. Like, it just gives you the ability to not have to follow the wire all the way to the source to try and figure out whether it's connected or where it connects to. Right. Types sort of give you little boxes for things. That's true. You can point to them. 
So, okay, so here's TypeScript. It's a big open source project inside of Microsoft. You know, obviously not their priority. It's not the number one thing that Microsoft does. How does that fit into the overall sort of Microsoft gestalt? Like it's still, you still have, you know, Windows and are they gonna take care of this thing going forward? I think at some point in the last like 10 years, Microsoft really did a 180 on trying to figure out how to sort of pitch its developer tools and persuade the entire developer audience that Microsoft is like something that you should be using again. To me, as a startupy person, the entire world moved to using Macs and then using Linux on the servers. And that mm -hmm. just left Microsoft as it, with this, this existing group of C-sharp developers and yeah. Windows developers, but completely ignored what people were doing in, like well, I said, 50% of people use JavaScript. So like Microsoft was completely ignoring that, that audience. And I think TypeScript was one of the first sort of breakthroughs for, for Microsoft, both internally and then externally to this entire new developer audience. And then they just sort of gave TypeScript the freedom to figure out what does the TypeScript language need to be outside of the sort of forces of influence inside Microsoft bureaucracy. So it was like, what is best for TypeScript and web developers was actually like the key thing, not necessarily what is good for Microsoft in order to sort of pull in these developers. It's just fascinating to think about a Microsoft or really any organization where they're like, that's an interesting idea. Don't kill it, right? Like this. <laughs> Most most organizations cannot afford interesting. I think there was more foresight than that. I think this speaks to Microsoft's second wind. And Microsoft's second wind, I think, is very much powered by a long game of not being too orthodox about their own ecosystems. I mean, this to me is the same rationale as to like, you know, God bless Internet Explorer, but it's time to just move on to Chromium because there's no value differential there. So let's get on with it embrace the communities that can power us and off we go. And boy, it has worked beautifully for them, right? It feels like the pivot was rather than we need to be everywhere, acknowledging like, well, we're everywhere. And now we need to just grow layers of Microsoft everywhere we are, like put down more and more Microsoft soil that we can then grow more Microsoft inside of it. Does that mean that the entire world is covered with Microsoft and more micro, <laughs> like a fungus? Maybe, but it's, it's effective. I mean, I think they looked at the whole world and said, you know what, we could sit here and just stay enamored with our own ecosystem, which is Windows essentially and C sharp and the like. They got spanked on the phone, right? Like there was yeah. the, there were those moments too. That was an experiment, wasn't it? Weren't they gonna buy Nokia at one point or did buy they Nokia? Did? They, they did it. buy Nokia. Is yeah, that why Nokia yeah, is not around anymore? Yeah, that's why you can't get any okay. good custom ringtones anymore. That's, you know? <laughs> no, I think that's completely right personally. Like I think Microsoft got spanked on the phones and phones became the, are the most profitable sort of consumer device, and then uh, had to figure out, okay, so how do we get people into Microsoft ecosystems? Everybody's building Apple products in, in Apple languages, Google products are all done in Java. I'm not gonna say Windows is a shrinking market, but like it is definitely a mature existing market where there are a lot of existing systems and a lot of new systems, are usually Webby, replacing them. And then there's their, their cloud moves have been, I mean, they caught Google flat-footed. Google Cloud is like a tiny percentage of what Azure is now. Again, driven by, I think, a different worldview, which is less about sort of self-love and more about like, okay, here's the new world, let's go, right? Well, you get more of the world if you don't try to control it. 
if you're just kind of everywhere. I mean, some of all, that's what open source did. Like open source is just sort of like, well, you know, it just it just kind of exists everywhere it goes. And, and you know, it shows up in every country and every project and everybody got used to it. Is there anything else you want to hit on? Any sort of like advice people should have in the world? You know, what advice would you give to the young engineer who has the comp sci degree and the tools seem to change every 65 days? So, you know, what's a good place to start? What do you, What's the advice you'd give that? that graduate. So first of all, I don't think you need to graduate to be good at programming. A, a good chunk of my colleagues don't have prior computer science examples. I think like realistically, you kind of need both a desire to to have an outcome. Like I don't think you can easily just sort of wander into programming and get anything done. Like if you know you, what you want to sort of build, you're going to be in a much better space for doing that. And JavaScript as a language is a very good space for doing that in part because it's everywhere and it does everything somehow. I think if you wanted to get started, pick a project, maybe just fix your own website, maybe just try and make an app for a friend. Build something. Build something. Should I try to learn TypeScript first or JavaScript first? JavaScript. Okay, don't start because why? You just told me about this cool, exciting new thing. Why should I learn the old busted thing first, Orta? <laughs> it's kind of funny because like, when I first looked at the documentation for TypeScript, we, when we redid it, we actually made it so that if you are new to programming, we just say straight away, like, hey, TypeScript probably shouldn't be your first language. You should actually go and learn JavaScript, and then you can come back at this level of the guide. Realistically, you know, TypeScript provides all these extra tools on top of JavaScript, and you need to know JavaScript in order to really write code that does anything. TypeScript should just completely be deleted away from your actual, the code that you write to become JavaScript. So you need that foundations to do anything useful. Do you think of TypeScript as a language or as a sort of like sugar on top of JavaScript? Like how does your brain organize around that concept? How do you define it? You know, we try to describe it as JavaScript with types, and it gets a lot easier in your head to think about TypeScript as a separate language because you know you have a different file name for your files, you have different configurations, and generally you want to be searching for the word TypeScript when you're trying to sort of find answers for things around that problem. When's it all that's going to compile to WebAssembly? Just run. That comes up a lot. You like a lot of people ask this question, and the thing about WebAssembly is, in order to have WebAssembly, you nearly always have a JavaScript runtime, mm -hmm. and JavaScript tends to run faster in JavaScript than inside WASM. So, sorry, WebAssembly, and so it doesn't actually make sense to port TypeScript into WebAssembly because it's already there. But you know, if there's somebody rewriting TypeScript, maybe to try and see if there's a a faster way to do some of the, the hard calculations that run inside it, then they would probably be using WebAssembly to get it to run. There we go. I always like to ask about WebAssembly. I've been asking about it for six years. 2015, Paul messages me, this is the future. Yeah. I don't think it's you're wrong. It's getting it. A lot of JavaScript tooling nowadays is being built in languages that turn into WebAssembly, like Rust and Go. Most of my JavaScript tooling is now being built in those languages using WebAssembly. So for people who don't know, WebAssembly is like a like a virtual machine and like a fast computer inside of your browser, right? And when I started saying this to Rich in 2015, there was still kind of, in just a little bit, there was like one web. And now I feel there's like a million webs. Like there's just like, <laughs> it just blew up in the last six, seven years where instead of there being like kind of one still sort of dominant thread, there's now TypeScript and JavaScript and Rust that compiles the WebAssembly. And it's uh, very just a very broad platform where it used to be a lot more specific. So 
Order, what are you up to now? What can you tell us about? Because you've, you've moved on from Microsoft. You've moved on from TypeScript. Give us the scoop. Tell us everything you're doing. Well, I actually can't. The uh, thing I'm working on, <laughs> I know. Uh, top secret developer. I know. It's a, it's a stealth startup. Oh, that's good. Those are the best. <laughs> but yeah, genuinely, I can't really talk about much of it other than that it's kind of interesting, webby. Like, it's trying to apply web tech in an interesting space for games. Oh, oh that's cool. cool. All right, so that's something to watch. When, when it's time for you to tell the world what you're working on, um, how would people know? How can people get in touch with you? I think follow me on Twitter. I am just my first name, O-R-T-A, on Twitter. And I don't tweet very often. I try to mostly treat it almost like a changelog. But I think it's a, a great space for developers to be if you're not there and also a great way to get information. There we go, everybody. Twitter, it's healthy for you. <laughs> The change log for your well, life. This is terrific. Thank you. Okay, this is really good because I think right now several hundred business leaders have said, okay, you can have TypeScript in an email while they were listening to this podcast to their head of engineering. The world's a better place. The world is a better place. Okay, you can have it. Have your types. All right, as long as it's enterprise and Microsoft approved, I'm okay with it's it. It's been worked on for 10 years. They know what they're doing. Yeah, it's going to be okay. Just relax. You're, the future of JavaScript is here, and it's JavaScript with types. So uh, let us know when your game is out. I'm sure it's any day now. <laughs> Nothing easier to do than build a game on the web. That's it. That's my deadline tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to learn about TypeScript, they want to get their head around it, where do they go? Honestly, the best source is typescriptlang.org, the official website. Like, we redid all of the documentation in the last two years, and so it is very up-to-date, and it's very approachable nowadays. Great. Well, Rich, once again, there are new things happening. I'm just glad we didn't talk about Clojure. Oof, I still love Clojure. I think it's a great language. ClojureScript is great, but TypeScript is a little less away from the mainstream of web technology, a little, a little more organic to how stuff actually gets built. So, Rich, who are we? What are we talking about? We are PostLight. PostLight is a very talented group of designers, engineers, product strategists, product managers. There's a lot of passion for craft inside of PostLight. That's why this conversation was sort of sparked by a lot of the dialogue that happens inside the firm. Check us out, postlight.com. Reach out, hello at postlight.com. Orda, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Orda, for coming on. And many, many thanks to Preston Ritchie for recommending one of our lead engineers. Thank for you, Preston. Recommending Orta. Yeah, come back anytime. Yeah, it was an honor.